Uh, what would it take for someone to get you to change your life? I'm not to- talking about changing something um, small uh, like, I don't know, starting going to the gym or um, eating more healthily or something like that. I'm talking about, a, you know, a fundamental change, the big things, the, the, sort of, the sort of change in your life that you'd kind of call a family meeting to discuss or you phone uh, your, your friends or family to, um, to apologise about the way things had been going and, and, and tell them that, that everything is going to change. What would it take uh, for someone to get you to change your life like that? That's the sort of change that Jesus is expecting from the people who listen to his words. Uh, he, he calls that sort of a change uh, believing in him. A, a, a continual radical shift from our default ways to his way. Uh, and um, uh, we, we've seen the last couple of weeks uh, the way that he... Um, uh, uh, proves that he is worth listening to when he's making that sort of a demand. And um, children, in your um, in your booklets, in your on your clipboards, there's a booklet uh, to help you uh, follow along with um, uh, what we're thinking about. What what is it that's in the picture on the front of your booklets? What what happened that we were thinking about a couple of weeks ago? I'm looking at the children at this stage. Adults don't have them. Go on, Carl. The feeding of the food. That's right, the 5,000 men, plus women and children. Uh, Brilliant. Um, So um, uh, uh, Jesus did did that miraculous sign, and he walked on water. He's he's done these miraculous signs. They're called signs because they point to him, to who he really is and what he can really do. And Jesus has given us every reason to trust him and let him change our lives. Now, all of us struggle with that. Whether you're here as a a committed Christian, or this is your very first time in any church at all, all of us struggle with the idea of Jesus changing our lives. And today's passage helps us see both why we struggle and uh, uh, how um, he can help us be willing to, to change. Um, uh, grown-ups, there are um, uh, some uh, points and some pictures uh, for you in, in your word sheets that I trust will be helpful rather than just confusing. Um, uh, but we're, we'll be um, working our way through the passage, so please open your Bible if you've closed it. Uh, it's page 1070 um, in the red ones. Uh, but the first thing to notice uh, from the passage that Caitlin just read for us is that we, human beings, are impossibly stubborn. Perhaps you uh, realise that, perhaps you don't yet. Um, but I was, I was saying last week that it, it might seem strange to us when we look around at the world that most people aren't following Jesus if he really did all of these things. And perhaps even stranger when we think um, about these people in John's Gospel and Matthew and Mark and Luke's Gospels who were there with Jesus and watched him do these things and most of them said, thanks but no thanks to Jesus. Uh, For instance, here in verse 41, the people who themselves were miraculously fed are grumbling about Jesus. Verse 41, have a look down. At this, the Jews began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. 
And now why is it? Well, because uh, they feel certain that he can't be from heaven. Uh, they've got their way of understanding the world and Jesus doesn't fit with it. Uh, verse 42, they said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? So they respectfully are having none of it. But Jesus knows what's really going on. By the way, they're talking to themselves, but Jesus uh, knows what's going on with them. And he explains to them the problem is not an intellectual one. The problem isn't that they can't understand how coming down from heaven fits with him being born of Mary. The problem is not in their minds. The problem is not that they were envisaging that the Son of Man promised in the Old Testament to float down from heaven supernaturally. The problem is deeper than that. Now, Jesus has offered enough proof to convince their minds, but there's still a problem. Verse 43, stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up at the last day. Perhaps you find that a bit shocking. No one can come to me unless the Father draws them. Jesus says the problem is so significant that whatever proof he offers them, whatever proof he offers people in this room, even if you were to, to come down bodily among us and do whatever miraculous sign anyone asks for, that would not be enough. No one among us is open-minded enough to accept the implications of who Jesus is. Jesus knows that we are all impossibly stubborn. So much so that it takes the supernatural, direct intervention of God himself. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, he says. Now really, this is just the flip side of what we saw last time. Uh, do you remember? Uh, Jesus' followers are a gift from the Father to the Son. That's what we saw in the, the bit just before this in John chapter 6. We were thinking about it last week. Uh, and if that's the case, if we're not a gift from the Father to Jesus, then we won't follow him. So how does it work? Is it some, some sort of uh, kidnapping or coercion? The Father forces people to, to follow Jesus? Uh, kicking and screaming? Well, not at all. Look at verse 45. It's written in the prophets... They will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the Father and learned from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. That's right, that's Jesus. Only he has seen the Father. Uh, this is where the, the diagram in um, the grown-up sheets come in. It may be helpful, it may not be, but let me explain what it means. Only uh, God the Son has seen God the Father. Only he knows him, only he can come to him. And anyone who comes to the Son comes to the Father. Uh, the only way to get to God is through the Son. And everyone who comes to the Son will be raised up to eternal life. That's what those arrows between um, uh, us, this person at the bottom, and the Son and the Father are. But nobody comes to the Son unless the Father moves us to him. That's what that big arrow coming round is. Do you see? We're so stubborn that we won't come to the Son, Jesus, to have life by ourselves. We need God's help. We need him to, 
to change our hearts so that we are willing to listen to Jesus. We won't come to Jesus unless uh, something changes. And that is true even though, and here's the second big point for today, even though we're dying, even though we're dying without Jesus, uh, we're dying, the passage says, of hunger. Now, does anyone here have a favourite food? Go on, Carl, what's your favourite? Pizza, burger, Danny, thank you, yeah. Chocolate. Chocolate, very good. Potatoes, excellent. Sweets. Sweets. Is that both of you? <laughs> Sweets, yeah. Gammon. Interesting. Left field. Spaghetti bolognese. Steak. I'm with you on that one. Very good. Last one. Chocolate. Very good. Okay. So, um, uh, children, draw, you know, draw or write some of those things. Um, and um, uh, have a think about how you feel like when you don't have those things. Um, uh, draw, draw those yummiest foods you can imagine. And, and it's worth thinking about the fact that we have so much that even our favourite foods we get to have quite often. Um, uh, generally, most of us in the UK are so uh, spoiled. We get to eat lots of foods because we find them yummy, not just because we need them to survive on. Most people don't have that luxury. Uh, either in, in other countries or down history. And for many, starvation, not having enough food to keep you alive, is a real prospect. Uh, I think most of us find it very difficult to imagine being really, really hungry, where starvation, dying, is, is a real prospect. Uh, for, for, for most people uh, in history, uh, most of the way that, that, that you spent your time was about making sure you had enough to eat that none of your family would die. And the reason um, Jesus being bred from heaven is such a powerful idea is because food or no food is life or death. Without food, we die. And Jesus is saying that, that without him, we are starving in an even deeper, more fundamental, more deathly way. Uh, he reminds um, uh, the people listening again of what happened in that desert with Moses many centuries before. Your ancestors, verse 49, your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. You see, those people thought they were going to die in the desert, and they grumbled against God. And God, through Moses, provided miracle bread uh, so that a million people would uh, uh, survive for 40 years in the desert. But all of them died. Uh, God provided miracle physical bread, but all of them died. Their, their life still ran out. They were still missing the real solution to death. And Jesus offers a sort of food that will mean our life can never run out if we eat it. See what this is even better than a, a lifetime supply of bread? Um, and he's talking about himself. He uses the, the, the word his flesh, doesn't he? We'll come back to that in a moment. But the key thing to understand 
uh, first is our need for what Jesus is offering. That's what Jesus wants them to understand before, what he, what it, before he explains what it means uh, for, for people to eat his flesh. Verse, verse 52, the Jews began to argue sharply amongst themselves, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? It's a good question. You know, how, how can we um, feed on Jesus? Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Right, so that's why there's this second diagram, which is the other way around. Um, you see, life is found in God. Life is not in us, naturally. Uh, the, the Bible talks about God's uh, breath being in us. In other words, our life is, is a, 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 comes from God. It's not in us, naturally. It's derivative. Life comes from the Father. And the Father grants the Son to have life in himself. We saw this a few months ago when we were in an earlier bit of John's Gospel. Um, life comes from the Father. And Jesus offers to have, offers us the chance to have the life that is in him. Uh, now, we desperately need this uh, life. Death is a reality that all of us uh, face, isn't it? And death is foreshadowed in this life in, in thousands of different ways. We don't have time to go into that now. But the, the, the fear of death, the reality of death, the, the decay of all things, is behind so many of the problems that, that we face in life. Uh, and we need a solution to that problem. And Jesus is that solution. And, and um, this is where we'll spend the rest of our time. Uh, because Jesus says that feeding on him will give us life. Actually, this is the big thing we've seen throughout this whole long chapter, uh, John chapter 6. Jesus is the real bread that comes down from heaven. And that means, of course, to benefit, like with physical bread, we need to eat. Uh, we need to, to feed on him. Uh, just uh, count how many times Jesus talks about feeding on him. Uh, read from verse um, uh, 48. Uh, I am the, the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that comes down from... From heaven, whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. Again, verse 53, 53, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. I'll raise them up at the last day, for my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. Uh, this is the, the bread that comes down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live for... You see, he's repeating again and again and again and again, so we don't miss the point. We need to actually do something with Jesus. We need to eat. It doesn't happen automatically. In the same way, if we're starving, if there's physical bread, you jump at it and you take it and you eat it you consume it and it will save your life so if we're dying for lack of jesus we need to take jesus and feed on him spiritually um, i guess it's um a little bit like if um, if you're a gardener which i've already admitted i think to you all that i'm not um uh, then sometimes you might use a, um, a hose pipe i've bought a hose pipe 
Um, this was a hose pipe that, that was in our garden, actually, when, um, when we arrived. It was left by the previous occupant. And um, it looks like a pretty good hose pipe, doesn't it? Um, but um, it doesn't work. Nothing's coming out of the end. How much I shake it? No, no drips. It's because, it's because that you need to put water at the back of the end. You need to put water in it. So I get a jug and put some water in the back. No, no. Right? So get a tap, stick it on. Yeah, exactly. Precisely, that's right. So a hose pipe will only work if you connect it to the tap, to the mains water. That's right, isn't it? A hose pipe, which doesn't have that, I mean, it might have a little bit of water left in it, but it's not going to do much good for your garden, is it? You need to connect it to the source of water. And so with us, disconnected from God, we don't have life flowing into us. Uh, just like the, the remnants of water that there might be in the hose pipe, they're, they're, they'll run out in a moment. But if we can get connected to the source of life, then we can have life coursing through our veins. So I imagine the question that leaves us with is, okay, feeding on Jesus brings life. What does it mean to feed on Jesus? Uh, if you're asking that question, well done, that's what the crowd ask as well. Verse 52, the Jews began to argue sharply amongst themselves, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Now they didn't think, and, and it's obvious it's not talking about uh, cannibalism. Um, it's not talking about um, them physically taking a chunk of Jesus' arm or something like that. Obviously not. Um, uh, the, the question is, if, if Jesus has life in himself, how can I get a bit of that? How can I be connected to him? How do I feed on him? And the big answer of John 6 is very simply by believing in him. Uh, verse 47, very truly I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. He keeps saying, doesn't he, the one who feeds on me will have eternal life, and the one who believes has eternal life. Feeding on Jesus is a picture of believing in Jesus. This, by the way, is why the Lord's Supper is so helpful, because it too is a picture of believing in Jesus. It's a way of acting out and symbolising what it means to believe in Jesus, to be connected to him, feeding on Jesus. Um, so, um, uh, the, Jesus uses this picture to help us understand. It's, it's not just the answer is believing in Jesus. Um, feeding on Jesus is a picture of believing in Jesus that helps us understand what it really means to believe in Jesus. Because believing in Jesus is something that uh, most people misunderstand, as I said last week. And so, um, uh, how, does, how does this help us to understand? Feeding on Jesus is the key to living uh, forever, not uh, starving spiritually. Um, it, it, it means, well, um, two big areas that, that we need to understand as a result of this. Firstly, um, we need to actively feed on Jesus. If you're starving, there's bread in front of you, uh, you need to actually eat. So with Jesus, we need to believe. And um, what does that mean in practice? First, it means believing every day, continually. Uh, believing is an ongoing thing. If you ate some bread one time, you wouldn't expect that to just sort you out, would you? You need to do it again. And so with believing, it's not a kind of one time, there was a moment when I believed in Jesus. It's an ongoing thing, day by day by day by day. 
believing is an everyday thing. Uh, second, and Jesus is very clear here, that, that feeding on him is to do with listening and obeying. Uh, Jesus' words are what we um, consume. Uh, we don't have a connection to him unless we listen to him and obey him. So don't fool yourself into thinking you believe in Jesus if you don't think the Bible is worth listening to, even when you naturally disagree with it or it says things you don't like. Don't assume you have this life if obedience to Jesus doesn't characterise your life, if you aren't actively doing things or, or not doing things because Jesus says so in the Bible. Uh, Rachel um, flagged up a moment ago uh, these um, Bible reading notes that, that we've printed out and we're giving away for free at the back. And because that's just one of the ways that we can believe in Jesus, listening to what he says in the Bible day by day by day. And perhaps you're not in the habit of, of that yet. This, this is a great way of starting. Or perhaps you, you're, you're um, a bit irregular or falling out of the habit. Give this a go. And just join in whatever the date is and, um, and get going. And so believe every day. Believe God's words. And believe in the cross of Jesus Christ. And we're going to get lots and lots more of this as we go through uh, John's Gospel. But, but do you see how the picture works? Jesus' uh, flesh and his blood are the thing he's talking about. He's saying it, it, feeding on him means his body and blood need to be destroyed in order for us to be remade. And for us to have life, he needs to die. That's kind of what eating is about. If you, if you eat an animal, it needs to die so that you can eat and, and have life in that sort of a way. Uh, so believe every day by listening to the Bible in the cross of Christ and then the um, uh, final thing just to notice uh, that Jesus emphasises, again, really repetitively, that this believing is something that anyone can do. Uh, like eating, it is for anyone. Verse uh, 50, here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. Verse 51, whoever eats this bread will live forever. The bread is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. Whoever, verse 54, eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. Verse 56, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood. Verse 58, whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. You see, it's, it's for anyone and everyone. It's a bit like... Um, with aid that's going to, to Ukraine. It's not just for those uh, who um, uh, we know. It's not just for those who have earned it. It's for anyone who needs it. And so Jesus sacrifice, his death on the cross, uh, his um, uh, body, his flesh, is for anyone. And we all need what he's offering. We're all dying of spiritual hunger. We're all cut off from life naturally. But Jesus says, anyone can come to me. Whoever you are, whatever you've done, however far off you feel, however young you are, however old you are, anyone and everyone needs to come to Jesus to have life. And that leads... Uh, to the second uh, big thing first, uh, feed on Jesus. 
Second, share Jesus. We're not to keep this bread of eternal life to ourselves. This isn't a, a private meal. It, it's, it's a food bank. A church isn't a, a, a cruise ship to enjoy you know, the, the, the ride. It's a lifeboat uh, for, for anyone who is dying. I'm sure um, and most of us have been following with horror what's, what's going on in Ukraine. And, um, and the Bible describes um, uh, in, in quite a lot of detail, actually, that the, the horrors of war. One, one of the places it does that is in um, uh, the book of the Kings. Um, and in um, 2 Kings, chapter 7 in the Old Testament, um, the city of Samaria, uh, the northern kingdom of Israel, um, is under siege from a great Aramean army. And, um, and the people are starving because they're cut off from any food supplies. It's a siege. And they've been starving for a long time. And the price of food goes up so much that you'd have to sell your house to buy a meal. Uh, that, that's, that's what happens with starvation. Anything is worth giving up to get a little bit of food. And it began, becomes so bad that people are making plans to eat other people, even their own children. It's, it's horrific. Uh, now, um, God actually rescues the city of Samaria by um, making the Aramean army think they're under attack. The, the Israelite army can do anything about it. So he, he, um, he gets the Aramean army to think they're under attack, and so they have to run away. They flee. They run back to their own country, effectively um, surrendering. And, um, and they run so fast, they leave everything, you know, their tents and everything in them where they were. But the fascinating thing about the story, and the reason I'm mentioning it, is because um, of what, what happens uh, next. The people hiding in Samaria have no idea that the invading army have run off. Uh, it happens uh, in the night. And at daybreak, four lepers, who are kind of cut off from the rest of uh, Israelite society, and they're last in line for any food going, uh, they, they, um, uh, they think, well, um, we're going to die if we stay in the city. And if we go to the Aramean army, we'll probably be killed. But they might, they just might... Um, give us a little bit of food and let us go our own way. And so, um, so they go for it. But of course they get there and they see the army's gone and there are all these tents full of all of the army supplies, all of the food and all of the silver and gold. And, and they start going around and collecting as much as they can. And not only have they found, um, you know, uh, food to keep them alive, they, they, they made their fortunes. Uh, but then um, uh, what happens next uh, is that they stop. And this is what they say in, in 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 9. What we're doing is not right. This is a day of good news. And we're keeping it to ourselves. So they go back into the city. And they go to the king and to all the people. And they share the good news. And they share the food and the riches with everyone else. Friends, this is why we at Grace Church Dustin want to share life in Christ as widely as we possibly can. It's not because we're special. It's because uh, we're the, those lepers on, on the brink of death who have found food. And we realise everyone else is dying too, and we can't keep it to ourselves. We don't think this is just a matter of opinion. Uh, we don't think it's just a hobby or an interest, which is nice for some people, not for everyone. 
And remember the first thing we saw, we're all impossibly stubborn. So when we're tempted to rule some people out uh, of believing in Jesus and and finding life, because they, they just don't seem like they would, we're forgetting that we wouldn't have come to Jesus unless God had done something to change our hearts and our minds. No one comes to the Son unless the Father draws them. And if he draw us, then he can draw anyone. The person you bump into walking the dog, uh, the, the lesbian uh, neighbour you have, the, the um, Iranian owner of the, the corner shop, um, your uh, mum or your dad who's rejected um, uh, Christianity all their life, anyone at all. Because we all desperately need Jesus. We're all dying of hunger. And Jesus is the food that brings us everlasting life and life to the full. He gives us his own self. So feed on him yourself and share him as widely as you can. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we... I know that we would never have come to Jesus were it not for your grace changing our hearts. We thank you so much that you have brought us to him and that in him you have given us everlasting life. As he died on that cross, we are brought to life. We praise you and thank you for your kindness and love and mercy in doing that for us. And we ask, Heavenly Father, that now we would be those who believe every day, listening to his words in the Bible, and that we're those who share him. Please, would many more come to find life in Christ because of us. In his name. Amen.